Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, I want to preach to you tonight a message, and I probably, not necessarily intending for this to be a series, but more than likely there's, there's more here than we're going to get to this evening. But just something that really has been um, on my heart and mind as of late in regard to um, our needs as a church. And when I say that, I want to be clear uh, that I'm not in any way trying to preach at any individuals or I don't even have any individuals in mind uh, as we look at what this scripture says. But I do know that all of us have room for growth, especially in this area. And it's something that does not come naturally to us in the flesh, but is a product of walking in the Spirit. And so, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if you're there, would you stand with me as we read, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says here, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things." You can be seated. Thank you for standing as we read the scripture tonight. This chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, is often referred to as the love chapter in the Bible. Uh, you'll hear these verses quoted at uh, weddings and things of that nature. You hear, you'll see signs about this uh, posted in people's homes and, and things, and, and while that's certainly acceptable and fine. Uh, it is important as we try to rightly divide the Word of God to understand this chapter and these verses in their context. And the context of 1 Corinthians 13, let me just kind of remind you of the surrounding context. Chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts, right? It's uh, the Lord has set the members in the body, every one as it hath pleased Him, and it talks about the various gifts that He's given to us. And it, he's, what is he talking about? Not a home, but he's talking about the church. And then you go over to chapter 14, immediately following 13, and what we find is instructions on the exercise of spiritual gifts. And there are uh, instructions on what was the proper order for things like speaking in tongues and giving prophecy and all of those things. And he even says at the end of that chapter that God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So what we really find 
is that 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched in between the chapter on spiritual gifts and the chapter on the exercising of those spiritual gifts, really fits right in there as instructions for churches and the importance of charity as part of our spiritual giftings. Now, when we consider this concept of charity, we understand, uh, and again, uh, you know, we, we traditionally will talk about this and, and talk about love, but I'm glad that the King James translators use the word charity because it is a more expressive uh, uh, word to describe exactly the connotation of the type of love here. You see, the thing is, we tend to think of love as a noun. It is just a concept, and often we associate it with feelings. But charity implies action, does it not? To, it, charity implies giving. It implies an expression of love. And so when we consider this, I understand in the, that technically, grammatically, the word charity here is a noun, but it is, it's a noun that implies action. In other words, we could say it is love that is proven out through our actions. And what Paul is saying here is he's admonishing the church at Corinth, and he's given them instruction about the, the, the differences of spiritual gifts, that no member is above any other member, but all of them are needful for the function of the body. He then says at the end of chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. What he's really saying is that while spiritual gifts are important, while service to God is important, there is something of greater importance even than the exercising of our spiritual gifts within the church. And that is this issue of charity or biblical love for one another. Notice that he says here, in verses 1 through 3, he kind of shows what I call charity demanded because he says in verse, 13, or verse 1 of chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. This apparently was something that was a, uh, a, a, a big issue in the church at Corinth. They, they made a big deal out of speaking in tongues. And we understand that tongues was a, a specific gift, kind of part of those sign gifts that the Lord gave for a period of time. And we don't, we don't really see that being exercised in churches today, not biblical uh, speaking in tongues. But what, what we see here is that this was a big deal to the church at Corinth. And Paul is saying, listen, I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if if that was not coupled with charity, what did he say? I, I, be, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. How many of you have had kids uh, learning an instrument? Anyone? Okay. How many of you agree that that can be a very obnoxious sound at times? Now, it's a blessing when it's all put together and it sounds good. But there are times... In fact, there are certain instruments we've told our kids, we'd rather you didn't try to learn these, because I don't know that we have the patience for it, you know? It's just noise. It's noise. That's what Paul's saying. I could, I could speak with the tongues of men 
and of angels. I, I could speak with great eloquence. I could speak with great power. But if it is not tempered by and coupled with charity, all I'm doing is making noise. Have you ever found that it's possible to speak and even to speak truth but not be effective in doing so? (laughs) How many times, husbands, have you said something to your wife that was true but it wasn't helpful? (laughs) Maybe because it wasn't said in love. But what's he saying here? I could have this powerful spiritual gift, but if it is not motivated by, if I'm not exercising that with the love that God commands of me, then really it it all is for nothing. And it will come to naught. And it will be ineffective because it is not done with charity. Notice he says in verse number 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. He said, I could be the greatest preacher you've ever heard. I could be the most knowledgeable uh, uh, a Bible teacher on the face of the earth. Uh, And and beyond that, just beyond my knowledge and my ability to teach and to preach, I could be one who is full of faith to where I can move mountains. I mean, to to where I really, truly believe God and trust God to do things, and God does things through me. And if it is not coupled together with charity, if I don't have charity, I am nothing. Verse 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. He said, even if I give everything that I own, and if I even give my own life, I've read um, in the book, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and Martyr's Mirror, if you've never read those books or you've never seen them, I'd encourage you. There's something very gripping about these stories of men and women of faith who stood for truth, even to the point of death, and were willing to lay down their lives for the glory of God. And Paul says, even if I would go to that extreme, if I don't have charity, it does me no good. Now, if you consider that, I could have all the spiritual gifts, I could have all the knowledge, I could have all the faith, and I could even give my my very life. And if it is not motivated by charity, it's empty and vain and worthless. Now, let me ask you, how much of what we do, even in service to God, is motivated by obligation, fleshly ambition, or simply out of habit. And how much 
is truly tempered with God's love. A love for God and a love for God's people. In John chapter 13, Jesus said to his disciples, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. This is the thing that separates true believers from the rest of the world. It is love. Now here's the problem. When you say love to most people and even to most Christians, what comes to their mind or what their understanding of love is is not necessarily a biblical understanding of love. Again, we, we tend to think of love as a feeling. You know, I just fell in love with this person. In other words, I started feeling a certain way about this person. But love isn't a feeling. We know that. Love is actually a choice. But honestly, much of the world today looks at love. They think that love means acceptance. Acceptance of... Anything and everything, right? But that's not what Jesus said in regard to love. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And I want you to know that God's love extends to every person. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But in order to be accepted by him, there are conditions. And so we understand that love doesn't necessarily mean a feeling and it doesn't necessarily mean acceptance. So what does love mean? What does it mean to have charity? I mean, it's, it's wonderful to say we need to love each other. But what does that mean? I'm thankful that God doesn't just give us these arbitrary statements and then we're left to figure them out ourselves. Because he's actually going to define for us what charity is. Look at verse number 4, if you will. He says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. It suffers long. Now, this, of course, is the verb form of that noun that we find in the Bible, long-suffering. But the idea is this, it suffers long. Uh, The modern translations will translate this as patient. Love is patient. But actually that in itself doesn't really adequately express what it means. I'm thankful for these words. Charity suffereth long. What does it mean? It means to be troubled, It means to be pained and to endure that pain. To suffer long. In other words, we could say it this way. True charity cannot exist or cannot be exercised if there is never any conflict. Because charity suffereth long. Did you know the, the fairy tale version of happily ever after actually has nothing to do with love at all? If, if 
there was never a reason not to love. If, think of it this way, between husband and wife. If everything was always perfect and the other person was perfect, there would never be a true expression of love. Because true love, charity, is expressed by long-suffering. In other words, it means when you are wronged, you respond with love. Now here's the good news. You have opportunity to exercise charity to others because others are not perfect. And did you know that even a loving church is not a perfect church? And the reality is that people will hurt you. Most of the time unintentionally. But sometimes even intentionally. People can be hurtful. And folks, I, I, I don't want to downplay or belittle the, the reality of, of the hurt when others hurt us. But I want to tell you this, if your first response to someone doing wrong to you, if your first response is fight or flight, in other words, I'm either going to retaliate or I'm going to withdraw. If that is your first response, you may be justified in your own mind, but that is not love. It's not love. Because charity suffereth long. Charity endures. This is actually a fruit of the Spirit. As the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, that, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. One of them is long-suffering. That when we're walking in the Spirit, that we, like Christ, will be at times wronged by others, and yet will respond with love. You know, we go back to Matthew chapter 5 and read of Jesus saying that when someone strikes us on one cheek, we're to turn to them the other cheek. And a lot of times we read that and we, we get the idea, well, we're just not supposed to retaliate, but it actually goes a step further than not retaliating. Because it's one thing to say, okay, you, you smote me on one cheek and now I'm going to turn and walk the other way. But he didn't say that. He said, turn him the other also. In other words, you've been hurt, but you need to be willing to make yourself vulnerable again. Because true love forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. Charity suffereth long. And notice this also. Verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. That means that the loving thing to do when someone has wronged us is to continue to respond to that person in kindness. I tend to have a quick mouth. Sometimes I speak before I think. 
that's a problem. I've got to be careful about that. But there was a time when I really felt that spiritual maturity meant that I learned not to respond in anger. Well, that's a good start and it's a good step. But spiritual maturity actually takes it a step further and doesn't only not respond in anger, but charity suffereth long and, and is kind. Responding with kindness. Now, folks, let me tell you something. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us. It's easy to show kindness to people who love us, but it takes the grace of God to truly, genuinely show kindness to people who have wronged us and hurt us, doesn't it? But this is what God commands. He didn't say, this would be a good thing for you to exercise. He said, without this, everything else is nothing, empty, vain. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Then notice this, charity envieth not. Now, when you think of envy, I don't know what comes to your mind, but I tend to think of jealousy, of seeing something that someone else has and wishing that it was mine, of kind of coveting something of someone else's or, uh, or, or wishing that maybe I had something that someone else had. And it can mean that. But it can go farther than that as well. Envy actually takes jealousy to the next level. And instead of just saying, boy, I, you know, they've got a really nice house. I wish I had a house that nice. But it actually takes it a step further and says, I wish they didn't have that house. It's not fair. And maybe it's something that you look at something that someone else has and wish that you had that, or, or you envy them because they have something you don't have. But it may, might not just be in possessions. It might not be material things. Did you know that it is possible to envy someone else because they have certain things you don't have in, inherently, innately? Have you ever looked at someone else and thought, man, I wish I was that gifted. I wish I was that talented. I have. That's actually what 1 Corinthians 12 is kind of all about. You know, we, we don't need to look at someone else's gifts and think that somehow they're more important than we are or we're more important than they are because of what we have or don't have. We need, that's between them and God. We need to simply exercise the gift that God has given us. But it is possible to envy abilities, talents, gifts that someone else has. It's possible to envy someone else because of the opportunities that they've been provided. Or the positions that they've been given. Well, that person was given the opportunity to teach a class and 
I ought to be given that opportunity. I'm just as gifted as they are. It could be possible to envy someone else because of the recognition that other people get. You ever known that person? It seems like no matter what they do, they always get the credit. <laughs> and you can work just as hard and they get the credit. That can be a frustrating thing. But charity envieth not. And I want to show you another place in Scripture that deals with this subject of envy. And I think it's really important. James chapter number 4, if you would. James 4. Let's actually back up to chapter 3. James chapter 3. Notice what he says in verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now this, this is really important. If you have bitter envying in your hearts, glory not. In other words, that's not a good thing. You know what it means to glory if you have bitter envying in your heart? It means that you feel justified in it. Glory not and lie not against the truth. Don't try to lie to yourself and tell yourself that this comes from God. Well, it's just righteous indignation. No, it's not. Look what he says in verse 15. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. And every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Then look at chapter 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Look at verse number 5. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. From this passage we see this idea that there's jealousy and envy which creates conflict. There's strife. He calls it in verse number 1 of chapter 4, wars and fightings. You ever been involved in that? You ever seen that in a church? Warring and fighting between the members? I've seen it. It's ugly. It's miserable. Where does it come from? It doesn't come from above. That's not of God. The Bible says that, that the only way that pride can come, or contention can come, is with pride. And... This bitter envying, this strife, this, this warring against each other 
creates a covetousness and a prayerlessness. He said, you have not because you ask not. Or an ineffective prayer life. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. And the issue is the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy or desires to envy. And God resists the proud and He gives grace unto the humble. And so what is He saying here? He's saying that if we are to really fulfill His commandment for us and to love one another in the way that that we ought to, we must humble ourselves before God. And we must... We we need His grace. Notice He says, He giveth more grace. And if you struggle, if you've got this inner conflict, you look at someone else and you say, man, I just have a hard time with that person. There's just this envy there. You know what the answer is? Humble yourself. God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace unto the humble. And God will give you the grace to love that person if you'll humble yourself. And that really brings us to the next part of this in verse number 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. Because charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Then it says this, charity vaunteth not itself. You say, what does it mean to vaunt itself? It means that it's not boastful. You're not consumed with self-exaltation. Have you ever known someone that's just loves to talk about themselves all the time? Always bragging, always boasting. But did you know that vaunting ourselves is not necessarily just verbal bragging? But always looking for looking to be exalted looking to put ourselves in a position where we can be seen by others. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. He said, when when you give alms, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He said, oh, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites that love to pray Publicly, he's not saying don't pray out loud in public, but what he's saying is if you really want to have a prayer life, your real prayer life takes place in the prayer closet. He said, enter into thy closet. And he said, thy father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. He said, when you fast, don't disfigure your face so that you appear unto men to fast, right? What's he saying? The whole concept is this. Don't do what you do for God to be seen of other people. And here what we're reading in 1 Corinthians 13 is that is not charity. That's not loving. How often do we desire a position out in front of people as opposed to behind the scenes to be seen of men? You know what that is? That's vaunting of ourselves. There was a time we had a couple in our church that anyone who visited the church probably didn't even know who they were. They were a very quiet, older couple, um, kind of unassuming, didn't, didn't go out of their way to really even 
talk to people that much. But there were times that I would come up to the church house at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and find them there in the building cleaning, painting, fixing broken things, organizing things, just serving. You know why they did it late at night? They were retired. They could have done it any time they wanted to. They did it at a time that they expected nobody else was going to see them. They wanted to go and serve the Lord and not to be seen of men. Now, I'm not saying that you have to hide from people. But folks, our service to the Lord ought not to be so that we can boast. It should be so that He's glorified. And we know no one else needs to see. He needs to see. It's not boastful and it's not prideful. He said it's not puffed up. Puffed up has to do with a sense of self pride or 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 a uh, an internal in like in, being puffed up in your own mind thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think when you think of pride you might think the opposite of pride is humility but actually the opposite of pride is charity because to be prideful and boastful is not to be loving Pride, by definition, is self-centered, self-motivated, and self-willed. And you cannot be proud and loving at the same time. It's impossible. As a body, we are commanded to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, our head. And in all things, according to Colossians 1, in all things, He is to have the preeminence. It's never it's it's really folks if we consider it it's blasphemous for us to take the preeminence over the Lord. He's the head. We are to serve him and we serve him by serving one another. One more place I want to turn before we close here tonight. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number 3, if you will. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So really when we serve the Lord, anything we do in service to the Lord, our question should be, first of all, what does God want? After all, it's Him that I'm trying to please. And secondly, how can I benefit my brethren? And if our consideration is more about myself, my convenience, my desires, my reputation, if it's 
if my concern is more about me than it is about God and about others, then I'm not acting charitably. And if we are going to serve the Lord, we can only do so with charity. And so tonight I want to simply ask you, how's your charity? In context of what we've seen, suffering long, continuing to show kindness, not envying, not boasting, not being prideful, how is your charity? You say, well, I just love everybody. That's not what this is talking about. Serve with charity. And if not, folks, and I know none of us is perfect in this way. We all struggle. But if these things are not a reality, then what does that say about our service to the Lord? I am nothing, it profiteth me nothing. If I have not charity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.